Hello and welcome to the Game of Thrones football podcast. Before we start, we'd like to inform you that the following episode may contain adult language and themes and swear words could fly around like tackles by Joey Barton. Or like swear words from Joey Barton. Don't say we didn't warn you. And now, let's crack on with the pot, shall we? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Football from Thrones podcast. We are back. After almost a year, the Game of Thrones football podcast is back. Welcome. I'm your host, Jack McArdle. We're back with a new format. And I'm joined today by two of the old timers, Phil and Davide. Hi, Phil. How's it going? Uh, hi, lads. Hi, everyone. How are we? Doing well. Doing well. Getting through the pandemic slowly but surely. It's not easy, but we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. And it's good to be back, to be honest. Um, back on the pot. Back on the perch. And lots of things to look forward to after a crazy year. Very crazy year, that's for sure. And yeah, Game of Thrones Season 2, if you like. I personally can't wait to get started. Should be great. How's it going, Davide? You moved back to Italy during the during the pandemic? Well, it's still the pandemic, but you moved back to Italy a few months ago. Yeah. Um, how are things over there for you? Hi, Jacka. Hi, Phil. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, exactly. As you said, I'm, I decided to move back from the UK to Italy to stay closer to my family. And uh, yeah, things are going uh, pretty well here. Keeping healthy by doing some walks uh, in the countryside, despite uh, winter here is pretty cold. But yeah, really can't wait to start uh, to to start again uh, this new adventure with the podcast. Uh, it's going to be fun. What Davide really means, he says he went home for family reasons. But what he really means is that he was sick of me winding him up all day. Yeah, that was also one of the reasons. <laughs> I'm pretty Me- sure he was sick of what the Brits call uh, Italian food. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, not having uh, pineapple pizza on every fucking <laughs> menu is, it. Uh, it is a relief. It's a relief. I know that when I have a pizza, even if the, um, the chef wanted to serve me pineapple, he can't because uh, he doesn't have it. Pizzerias don't have pineapple here. The main thing is actually we're talking about football on this podcast. But the biggest debate so far has been pineapple on pizza, yes or no. <laughs> yeah, it's I not mean, a debate. I mean, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> and as you as you can hear, listeners, uh, we slightly changed the format of the podcast. Instead of talking you through matches like all the news channels and Sky Sports do, we're going to try and turn this into more of a debate, a kind of pub conversation between friends. We're going to have lots of laughs and... Maybe make some mistakes along the way, but we're just here to have fun and we hope you enjoy listening to the new format of Game of Thrones. Yeah, don't worry. It's not, beca- it's not going to become a, a cooking podcast. <laughs> Place one pineapple um, on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fairly factual so far on, on a lot of occasions, I have to admit. And um, I think we just realized we're having the most fun just chatting to each other. And at the end of the day, it should be just, you know, friends talking about football over a pint or any kind of drink, you know. And yeah, 
as I just said, I'm just opening my, my, my beer now. And I hate you because I finished mine yesterday. So yeah, still, cheers. <laughs> I don't have any more, any beers in my fridge now. They're going to be here very soon though. As to paraphrase Homer Simpson, all podcast and no beer makes Davide a very angry man. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Um, so the first episode of uh, Game of Thrones, uh, edition two points. Sorry, I didn't say anything. Just continue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. There, there's the first screw up for you, listeners. And so for the first episode of uh, Game of Thrones two point zero, the new format sounds a bit like a Star Wars episode now. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the first episode we're going to be talking about something quite serious, well, very serious. Um, that has affected us all in varying to varying degrees during the pandemic. Um, the coronavirus pandemic has been sweeping across the world in the past 12 months. 2.3 million deaths worldwide and over 105 million cases. Society, as we know it, has changed um, dramatically. Some might say for the for the better. Some might say for for the worse. Um, but it has been a very a very tragic year in a lot of ways. And I just wanted to know, uh, to start with you, Phil, how, how have you coped with it? How have you dealt with it from a mental health perspective? Well, it's been mental, wasn't it? Like, in general, it might or it is the most severe situation humanity has been in since the Second World War, I would say. And yeah, so much was going on, you know, coronavirus, BLM protests men with horns breaking into capitals, football without supporters. So loads of bollocks going on. And when I say mental, yeah, as you said, we're already close to the main topic. People struggling, people being inspirational and the world changing at a rapid pace, although everything stands still in a way. Yeah, it's just extraordinary time slots. And it's been difficult for a lot of people on different levels but we're trying to get through it you know i personally mm, try to change my my mindset a lot during the last 10 months like the first half was yeah it was very difficult when everyone else was still like in the first lockdown was still a little bit happy and and sharing things that we're doing and you know and everyone was doing challenges and everybody was still very positive about it that's actually when i was down the most and now that everyone is like so fed up with everything i kind of changed my mindset changed my diet changed the way i live and yeah it's going good and yeah me personally i moved too so I don't know how it is for Davide, you mate, but um, it's been it's been hell to find a place in Berlin. I have my own house here, so it wasn't hard to find it. Rich people talking, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own house. This is a podcast for the working class, you capitalist bastard. <laughs> well, I have a house, but I don't have a job. So, I mean... <laughs> You commie prick. <laughs> so getting back to, to moving. Yeah, it's so difficult. I mean, it's, it's especially in Berlin where it's difficult anyway to find a proper place that's affordable. Um, but now I'm settled and I'm keeping myself occupied with working in music, working out, reading a lot of books. As I already said, I changed my diet. Um, 
I'm going on runs in the morning and it wasn't easy, but it's working out fine now. And I personally can't wait to play footy again. I can tell you. Oh Same. yeah, five side. I miss Same. five side. Same. Mm, the moving part for me wasn't easy uh, because, of course, uh, it was be- between two countries, UK and Italy, and then uh, all the blocks uh, meant uh, that the large majority of our stuff, including uh, some pieces of furniture, couldn't come with us. So we had to drive throughout through France to to get to Italy with an old uh, crappy Peugeot two hundred six, and then when we arrived here, we we had a lot of things because of course we already had uh, our furniture uh, set here, but we missed a lot of stuff that only arrived in December. Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy, but we got through it. We are now going out, uh, especially because uh, this is we we are living in a village now, so we got plenty of a countryside around uh, where we can go around, uh, go for runs. It's really it's really nice here, close to my family, f- finally, so I can help them out with uh, with the shopping, uh, with uh, with the uh, with the PC, with everything they need. Uh, I'm there. I'm here for them. And yeah, I'm I'm trying to to stay up to to keep up with uh, with everything I can do. Uh, of course, uh, I miss seeing my friends. I miss uh, a lot of things, but it was my decision, so I do it. So I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think for a lot of people, I think the kind of social isolation has been has been has been really tough um obviously not seeing friends and as we mentioned not being able to for example play football exercise uh, for me for me during the pandemic exercise has been has been absolutely huge lifesaver yeah whenever i'm feeling stressed or i'm feeling angry or i'm feeling sad i think even just like half an hour of maybe exercise bike or or running or or even just kind of stretching kind of yoga kind of exercises i started to do have really helped um and of course because i i do i have had a kind of bit of normality because i've been working from home so um there's still a there's still a kind of, it's important to kind of have a little bit of structure in your day even if even if the word is even if the world is chaotic you can kind of fight that with a little bit of structure in your day even if it isn't as much structure as you usually have in normal life i think yeah sports are so important you know um I just realized in the last couple of months how how much I missed actually doing sports because I was so used to playing footy and playing basketball. And now I'm not really the biggest fan of, of fitness or of working out in a gym. You know, I always prefer team sports. The fun is, yeah, the most important thing about team sports, you know, and that was that was missing a lot for me. But now I really pushed myself to to working out, to go on runs, and um, it, I'm doing much better now. I'm doing much better now. We couldn't hear you for a while, uh, Phil. Am I back? You're back now, yeah. Yeah, you're back. Nothing special. Um, I just disconnected my Wi-Fi, so it shouldn't happen anymore. It's so it's so funny, you know, things like this during the pandemic. Whatever you do, if you're listening to a podcast or watching people 
having a session on Skype as we have during the pod. It's like all this, it's a little bit like an old school seance. It's like, can you hear us? Are you there? <laughs> you know? Um, so <laughs> we'll, we will de deal with this kind of stuff all the time now. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. Sorry, I have to uh, close a bit because I think uh, I'm receiving a call from uh, the person who's making shopping. So Davide is getting his beer at the moment. Yes, you heard that right. He gets beer delivered to his door while we are on the podcast. This is how important it is. <laughs> To have a pint and a talk at the same time. That's the new Game of Thrones style. And that's actually very much Davide's style. <laughs> This is how far we've fallen. We've gone from being totally professional, <laughs> not, to uh, being even more unprofessional by getting our shopping delivered during uh, during the podcast. So, Jack, how, how it's been for you? You know, we can just continue without uh, the old fart. I mean, it, it's been it's been fine. I mean, I... Well, it hasn't been fine. It's been it's been tough at times, but I mean, I I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful this happened in 2020, 2021, rather yeah. than. Speaking of changes uh, during the pandemic, uh, I never thought uh, I would uh, use the online shopping, but I started doing it. <laughs> yeah, we just talked about that. <laughs> so David is back. Do you have a beer in hand now? Uh, no, no, no. I didn't receive shopping yet. It's arriving, but they wanted to call me for some uh, substitutions. Some of the products I, I wanted uh, were not available. So they asked me, do you want uh, another kind of uh, uh, crisps? Yeah, fine. So less pasta, more beer. That's the substitution, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Is that a healthier alternative? <laughs> uh, Beer uh, or pasta? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's uh, what's healthier. It's kind of going sideways <laughs> on the health scale rather than up. Let's say probably there are healthier alternatives altogether. I mean, me and Phil were just talking about um, talking about how we get through the pandemic, and I was saying that um, for me, it's been mostly okay. But there have been moments where I haven't felt. I felt the isolation and I felt kind of down, you know, especially during the winter when it gets dark earlier. And it's interesting that Phil say Phil says his diet has improved because although I've been doing a lot of exercise, I've also been spending a lot of time on the couch, as Davide said, eating crisps and uh, watching watching football. Actually, I've watched a lot of football during the during the pandemic. But um, yeah, some habits have gotten better. Some habits have stayed the same. I have to say, I actually went on kind of a journey. I was eating so much when the pandemic started. Like I was eating so much sweets and it pushed my endorphins during a time where I was really down. And so I gained a little weight. Yeah, then after half a year, I actually changed a lot about my lifestyle. I quit smoking, for example, quit drinking beer uh, every week and I quit eating sweets all the time. Aren't you drinking beer right now? Yes, but I just, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's my first of the year actually, you know? Okay. It's my first since December, so cheers, wow. all the fucking best. When you say first of the year, do you mean Chinese New Year or <laughs> our New Year? <laughs> <laughs> actually our New Year, I had like one on um, New Year's Eve, Oh, yeah. during a call yep. with you lads actually, if I remember correctly, that was, that was a fun call. Um, we had everybody on. We had uh, um We had Eric. Unfortunately, we missed Basti because he's working like a horse. 
But we had several calls uh, between the Game of Thrones guys, which was actually quite nice and, and kept spirits high. Definitely. I, I think it's an important time. It's an important time to reach out to your friends. And we're lucky that we live in a, in a, in a time where we have so many options for contacting people or social media. Definitely. And um, social media and Skype and Zoom. And I, th- I, ju- I just think we're, we're very lucky like that. So that although we kind of miss the, the, the physical contact with people, there's still that the, there is still a lot of isolation, but we can kind of we can kind of mitigate that with the technology we have these days. Just imagine being alive during the Spanish flu. Oh my god! Which yeah, like people have like absolutely no chance to to connect with each other. There are almost absolutely no phones. I think the phone wasn't even was it? Uh, it was invented by then, but there was no phone lines apart from big cities. Uh, you have to keep your distance. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very, very glad we live in these modern times where I can connect on my phone to people all over the world all the time. And it really helped surviving the first few months, to be honest. Um, for, the, for the scientists listening, we should point out that the Spanish flu these days is called Sergio Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one thing we all agree on. <laughs> Jack, what do you think about uh, Sergio Ramos uh, uh, close to Manchester United? Well, I think he's using us as a lot of players have. We can make a list of Gaitan, Schneider, um, many other players who have used us to get an improved contract at their club. Um, but if Sergio Ramos was to come to Manchester, no, just no. We just we we don't want you. We don't want you, Sergio. Um, Stay in Madrid, pick up your money, watch your bullfighting and just leave us the fuck alone, please. <laughs> Did, didn't he do it before? Use United? Yeah, I mean, a lot of clubs use United because they know we're willing to pay ridiculous money for players that have uh, passed their peak. It's kind of the Ed Woodward style of getting a salary increase. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it happened a few years ago with Wesley Schneider. Um, it happened with Nicolas Gaetan. It happened that, that there's a huge list of players who uh, who have used United and yeah, sometimes PSG for for to get an improved contract at the club they're at. So um, yeah, I'm not taking this very seriously so far. It's only gossip, but I, I wouldn't like to see Ramos in a United shirt. That's for sure. All the while, Liverpool are signing centre backs for a combined 20 million and yeah again going on the cheap for very 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 good players i'm very satisfied and i think we should really talk about what happened during the pandemic and i guess you all know what i mean and there's still (laughs) and someone here lost a bet we won't do it today but during this season, there will be a moment when Jack is singing a Liverpool song live on the air. <laughs> I love it so much. Typical Liverpool fans talking about history. I just like to ask who is who is who is higher in the table at the moment. I don't care. Thirty years, thirty years are over. I don't really, really care about anything after that. Um, it was so important. Most important is that now Jack has to sing. I think we all supported Liverpool, and not because uh, we like Liverpool, but uh, 
but because we wanted to hear Jack singing a, a Liverpool uh, chant. Now, the singing isn't a problem. I've been told that I'm actually quite a good singer. You are a good singer, yeah? Yeah, you are a good singer. The point is that it's not a you singing, it's what you are going yeah, to sing. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. The it's, con- not, it's not the, the content of the night, song. The shipping, uh, singing, uh, uh, Wonder Wall. Uh, that's, that's karaoke, that's fine. We all had a laugh. It's you singing uh, a Liverpool chant. That's, that's the point. That's the whole point of the thing. Yeah, and when, when, as Jack said, I'm a stereotype Liverpool supporter, I'm going to stay unbearable here. Yeah, you've certainly, <laughs> you've certainly done that. <laughs> I really have you've to. certainly I, done some good work. Yeah, yeah, and I have to milk it as much as I can. It's the same as I said about, you know, the Jurgen Klopp era in general. Enjoy it while it lasts and make the most out of it and celebrate it as much as you can. And I really have to talk about how difficult it was when the pandemic started. You all remember it was like we were two games or two wins from winning the Premier League and then coronavirus hit the world and everything stopped, which was obviously the right thing. But at the same time, I mean, when it started... Me and a mate, we were so close to go to Liverpool to be there when it happens. And obviously it was a serious situation and football was not so important anymore. But in a way, we felt a bit robbed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, makes, it makes complete sense. I mean, uh, it, it was how I was feeling during the, the Europa League final. Unfortunately, Inter lost against Sevilla. Uh, kudos to Sevilla, nothing to say. But yeah, I think spending that night at home, uh, it didn't it didn't really feel uh, right. If I felt uh, I I wanted to watch the match with my friends, I wanted to to have fun with them, uh, to to suffer with them because uh, during a final you suffer, of course, and it really didn't feel right to 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 be alone uh, doing that match. And what a what a match as well! It would have been the perfect match to watch with friends. I mean, it's like three two. Was it three? It was three Except two. Except the right? result, yeah, three two to Sevilla with a own goal by Lukaku. That that was a great match, yeah. For especially for for, for people not really interested in the in the result, but it was a good match to watch. But at least that was after the pandemic, and you know, and you were certain you're gonna play that final. I mean, we were so anxious that the virus would take it away from us. But I have to say, the joy when it happened was tremendous. I mean, I cried like a baby. It meant so, so much to so many of us. And no matter what rival fans like Jack are going to say, you, you can never, ever take that away from us, you know? In, in such a difficult time, this gave me so much happiness. I know it's mad and only football supporters can understand this, but yeah, but this was boss. Okay. Yeah, but being so close to it and being so anxious that it's maybe going to be taken away from us. I have to admit, even if it's just football, it affected my mental health too, because it meant so much to to, to Liverpool supporters to finally win the league again. And it's been 30 years of wait. It was so difficult to get to terms with that, that maybe 
we're not going to win it, you know, and everything is going to be null and void. And um, I was like, this can't be happening, you know, this can't be happening. 30 years, we are like over 20 points um, above second place and we're so close. And I was like, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. And it really, in a difficult time, affected my mental health as well. So I was very, very glad when football came back just just because of Liverpool. And yeah, with that, I, I guess we can we can switch to the main topic. Mental health and cool. football. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mental health in football. As we all know, mental health is having a an ever-increasing role in football these days. Um, there have been numerous campaigns to raise awareness of mental health amongst supporters and also amongst players um, and to try and place mental health on the same level importance as physical health because I think it's been proven and I think we all agree that mental and physical health complement each other. Generally, when one is bad, the other is also bad and vice versa. Um, and I just thought it would be nice to discuss, some. Ex- first of all, some examples of, 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 of players that have suffered from depression, anxiety and other mental health issues. And then also to, to talk about maybe some, some campaigns that have been organized to try and improve the situation. So, Phil, who, who would you like to talk about? Who, what examples do you have for us? Oh, loads, loads. But I would like to, to start it with actually a quote from Wayne Ferry, uh, a journalist on joe.co.uk. Um, he said, like, football is not traditionally a sport associated with empathy and openness. And sport by its nature requires selfishness and a ruthless will to win. And that's essentially been how it always been. And like mental health is not really not really something that has been addressed in the past as much as it should have been. And I'm just thinking about maybe some of the most prominent examples of the past, like Gerd Müller the big goal scorer of Germany who like drank and, and gambled away all of his money and had to get a, a job at Bayern Munich as an assistant coach of the reserves to, to be saved by Uli Hoeneß. Or I think the most prominent um, example in the UK was Paul Gascoigne. You know, it, it was so clear that he suffered from mental health issues already during his career. And especially after. And I think because of his sparkling personality and his cheekiness and his love for the game and that he's actually a good guy, everyone wants him to do well now and to see him doing well. The thing is about about mental health, um, I think there are so many different forms. You know, people mostly only think about depression, I would say. But it's it's more it's 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 fear. It's dealing with pain, dealing with losses, with pressure, with loss of confidence. So basically, everything that affects the well-being of our mind, and especially our soul. There's a lot of toxic masculinity um, still in the game that talks about feelings like we shouldn't have them, or that it's something female, which is a huge insult to um, 
to the gender of females, I think we we really have to improve on that and we're improving on it. But I would say at the top level, there's still so much pressure and I still feel like there's not enough being done. I mean, we're getting there. There are some campaigns Jack is going to talk about later. But at the same time, I think it's it's still not still not enough. And I mean, prominent examples from the from the recent past are like people who are struggling with with different kinds of form of mental health. Uh, Danny Rose, Ben Chilwell, Anton Olsen, Jermaine Genus, Marvin Sordell, um, Peter Crouch even talked about his body image and how he cries lots of times. And I would really like to to talk about the special case. Um, the most or one of the most severe cases maybe of the last 20 years was German team goalkeeper Robert Enke who took his own life in 2009 it was the the term it was the 10th of November 2010 oh it was 2010 already yeah it was oh yeah yeah, yeah it was after the World Cup because he missed it by injury right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um that was that was just crushing for a lot of people because Robert Enke was like so well liked by everyone, like by rival fans even because he was such a such an honest and and happy character. And um, me personally, I really liked him because at that time I was going to a lot of matches still in in Jena, which is a small town in the middle of Germany, and that was where he where he kind of developed into who he became to be after that. And um, it was so sad to see. And I have to say, when I was thinking about Robert Enke before we started recording this podcast, I had to think about Loris Karius and what happened at the 2018 Champions League final and what happened afterwards. I mean, the shitstorm on him was just out of this world and you can clearly see in his time at Besiktas that he was affected mentally by what happened and how how couldn't he I think a lot of people and some so-called supporters behaved like yeah just behaved like morons and it's it's sorry just uh, cut you Phil it's it's a really interesting example you just brought up of Loris Karius because we were talking um we were talking earlier about how the modern day technology has helped us to communicate with friends and stay in touch and avoid isolation but i think you may have just touched on the opposite side of that with with social media and yeah. how after how after even like you see like prominent players after a, one or two bad games um be subject to such horrendous abuse online um and even racial abuse in the case of in case in the case of players um, like Marcus Rashford, for example. And that's a toxic part of uh, of our society. I mean, uh, if you think there is a uh, a political part uh, that wants uh, total freedom of speech, uh, I, this is not freedom of speech. This is freedom of insult. This is freedom of lying. This is freedom of hating. This is not freedom of speech. I'm sorry. And. Till uh, we won't have uh, clear rules uh, that make people responsible for what they say online, uh, this won't be a good society. 
because uh, definitely we will keep having a racial abuse uh, online and also the fact that there is this this wall this barrier you're not talking to i mean if if a supporter uh so let's let's talk about Carius now we are discussing we we mentioned as we mentioned him earlier uh he's a big guy do you expect uh, the normal uh, liverpool supporter maybe half uh, his uh, uh half as big to insult him face to face i don't obviously not but behind the screen behind the screen everyone feels uh, the the ability to do to say to do and to say whatever they want and also also usually when uh, you hear people uh, caught doing this they tend to minimize saying hey yeah no i mean i was nervous i was angry i got my problems yeah but your problems cannot reflect to other people if you are an angry person you just cannot go online and spread your shit on on everyone around you that's just wrong and what is what is even wronger is that the society are not taking enough steps to stop this the thing is which i have to admit that i was one of the morons like i wasn't as maybe severe as others but after the third goal went in like i really went in on the ale you know i started drinking a lot i was so pissed that we're going to lose the champions league final now to those individual mistakes and after the match i posted on facebook 10 heroes one idiot which was absolutely stupid and horrendous of me and the next day when i came to my senses when i obviously was sober again and this shouldn't be any excuse that i was drinking a lot during that night instead of deleting it i i just made a second post and apologized even if loris curry has never read it you know do you have to reflect on yourself even if you do things that are wrong and are sometimes you know so stupid that you actually ask yourself did i just do that you have to have the guts to say i was wrong and 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 i'm sorry and at the end of the day these lads are playing football you know and we can't racially abuse anyone in society but we can't abuse in general anyone who's just doing his job and making mistakes you know and loris carius he just made two mistakes and and if you look at him after the game the the way he apologizes to liverpool fans the, the way he's crying i mean he didn't want to lose the fucking champions league final you know it was the, maybe the high point of his career and now he's on this kind of downward spiral in, in his career i mean he's on loan at uh, union berlin at the moment and he's not playing also during a pandemic during a so difficult two years at Besiktas for him so i have to say i feel very ashamed about how i reacted on the night and um even if it doesn't change anything i still would like to apologize to the lad because at the end he's one of us and he should never ever walk alone and i kind of betrayed what my club and the, the real supporters of liverpool football club stand for at that moment anger can get to you so so easily at football but you should never ever air it on on social media 
and I learned a big lesson that night and I'm a I'm I'm a grown man and um that was one of the things I'm most ashamed about I did maybe in the last 10 years. That's a great example of how how people in the heat of the moment you can you can just you can you can say things you don't mean but the, the main thing is that you the main thing is that most humans will make mistakes and realize they've made mistakes and 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 apologize for them but we have these 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 internet trolls who just there isn't any accountability you know and i just wanted to take it back to a broader kind of football sense um and how players from a very young age are under so much pressure um from a mental health perspective the pressure to like impress scouts when you're young and get picked up by a big team and then you have to be professional 24/7 and you have to you have to respond to the respond to the demands of the club of like commercial activities of fans of of that there are so many pressures on you and I think until very recently and maybe still now there wasn't enough nearly enough support um for the players from a mental health perspective a lot of it maybe um that as phil phil you said that there's a there's a toxic masculinity element to this where men are encouraged to kind of suppress their feelings and not open up about their problems which leads to tragic tragedies like um robert enker and gaza and uh, two examples i wrote down here um marvin sordell phil you mentioned um he did an interview in the guardian a couple of years ago um about how depression and anxiety had taken over had taken over his life and he tried to commit suicide back in 2013 um and another example i had here was uh, a striker called billy key who played for accrington stanley um dedication to basti who loves his lower league football um he suffered from anxiety and depression he's now playing he quit he quit professional football and he's now playing non-league whilst working on a building site um and he said he's never been better um mental health wise because he's out of the pressure environment and phil davide i just wanted your opinion is is football in general and the kind of pressure environment is this can't continue right no i don't think it can continue absolutely i mean uh i have another example that may not be entirely related to mental health but hakim mastur you just mentioned how young guys are uh under so much pressure and this guy aged 15 was in the, the official uh, photos for Serie A without having uh, ever played uh, a match in, uh, in Serie A, a professional match. Uh, since the age of 13 he was uh, described as the, the next biggest thing in Italian football. AC Milan uh, uh, put him uh, in, the, in the top spots under the, the spotlight and now, age 22, he plays uh, for Reggiana, I think, in, in the third uh, Italian league, by the way. Oh, Carpi. He, he's, uh, he was loaned out from Regina to Carpi in, uh, in Serie C. Uh, I don't know if uh, his talent was just un- overestimated or all the pressure at such a young age uh, influenced uh, his, uh, his career. I don't know that. He never... Uh, spoke about that but I think uh, he's a great example of uh, how things should not be done because even if uh, they didn't influence him this definitely this behavior from uh, managers from uh, 
agents from clubs can definitely affect uh, the mental health of uh, of a lot of people yeah and you you touched on it there like the the media especially the media in this country in in, in britain is just so bad at once a player shows signs of potential when they're 15 or 16 the media will take them and they'll build them up and they'll build them up and say they're going to be the greatest player ever like for examples like we have like raheem sterling and players like that and the media puts so much pressure on them that when something doesn't go well for them maybe in the future and then the media will just crush them again you know it's just so everything all the highs are too high and all the lows are too low and it it, it can't be from a mental health perspective it definitely can't be healthy it's not just unfortunately it's not just a british problem and it's it's the same here in italy and it's the same in spain i it guess it's the, the same, same in germany. germany yeah definitely it's how medias are behaving right now yeah the thing is especially for young players i mean mental health affects everyone from from kids to to old people but at the end of the day um in football the younger you are you know the more important you are now in these modern days. If you look at Erling Haaland or uh, Jaden uh, Sancho, um, what 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 they are worth now and and the the pressure that it's been on them because of their price tag. I mean, seventy percent of football is ability, and the rest happens upstairs. And the downward spiral it can go very very quickly. I mean, Clark Carlisle, who played for QPR, for Burnley, for Leeds and for Watford. Uh, I'm just quoting him. He said, I wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing to maintain my mental well-being. And once you start getting into a spiral of secrecy and masking your emotions and running away, then it is exactly that. You're, you spiral down and it's incredibly difficult to stop. I think for younger players, it's... It's so difficult, especially not only the pressure thing, like young players being released, you know, players like I have two examples from or one example from Liverpool, like is Adam Morgan, um, young striker who had like huge potential, who was in the club since he was five years old. He, he got the name tag, the new Robbie Fowler, as if pressure wasn't enough. Jordan Ibe, Liverpool sold to Bournemouth, who just... Yeah, went publicly about his mental health just some month ago and that the pandemic when it started really affected him even more. And for young players being released, I mean, the big dream might be over. At such a young age, you have to wrap your head around this. You're used to living at a big club. Everything's taken care of. And then they find themselves in League Two or even non-League and have to learn to live without that help. I mean, cooking, paying bills... This is something that is totally new for some of these youngsters who grew up in a club that did everything for them. Going back to the toxic masculinity, I think like sentences like pull yourself together, you know, that won't help anyone. And I think um, it's pretty, pretty good to see that there are yeah, people who, who, who are like specialists at the club now who help the players and that uh, coaches are improving on their social skills, talking to their players. Because for young players, it, it can be really, really, really hard if it affects you at a very young age. I mean, Andy Robertson, for example, he maybe not have been 
suffering from a lot of depression, but everyone knows the story being released from Celtic as a 15 year old and having to work at um, Tesco or I think it was Tesco. And um, there's this famous tweet of him, you know, life at this point with no money makes no sense. Hashtag need a job. So this can affect a lot, a lot, a lot of young football players. And as we all know, most young football players don't make it to the top. There's, um, I, I'd just like to uh, chip in a second with, uh, there is a great documentary which was aired on BT Sport um, based on a book which I have in the corner here. Um, it's called No Hunger in Paradise. Um, and it's basically talking about um, academy systems and how players cope when they're released from academies at a young age and they have to, as you said, Phil, um, when you have to find your way in maybe a lower league or a different team um, and it goes into real detail about how until very recently clubs had neglected um, neglected players. Once they'd been released, there was no support for them and they were just kind of by themselves, you know. Um, if, you, if you're if you a UK listener and you have BT Sport, um, it's on the BT Sport website. It's called No Hunger, No Hunger in Paradise. Um, and it's a really, really great and insightful documentary. Um, and whilst I'm recommending things, I've written down in my notes here, um, there is a book written by a good friend of Robert Enker, who Phil was talking about earlier. Um, it's called A Life Too Short. Um, and it's written by ronald reng who is a close friend of enker's and who decided to write a book about his experiences um about how he knew enker and what happened and how his family dealt with the loss um and i think everybody who is interested in mental health experiences or has maybe mental health issues themselves i think it's definitely worth a read great book that is great book and yeah just when you're touching on like personal experience, I mean, this is the place to to talk about that I have mental health issues since a long time on different levels. And um, it took me a long, long, long time to get help. I always thought I can fix it myself. I always thought I just need, you know, to get over this or to get over this or when I was lonely to find a new girlfriend or whatever, you know, to, to deal with that. But at the end of the day, we ourselves and the people who love us, we can only change symptoms, but we can't really change the reasons and we can't work on the reasons ourselves. We have to get help. I can only recommend to anyone who's dealing with mental health issues, to really get get yourself help it's not being weak and it's not it has nothing to do with not being strong enough to do everything you know and i think for a lot of people a lot of people doing sports who have to be hard who have to sacrifice a lot it's always this thing that they think they're not strong enough if they do that or that it's a sign of weakness and it's not it's a sign of being strong and being aware and being conscious about yourself. If anyone's listening who's who's struggling with with mental health issues, I'm doing a lot, lot better since I got help. It's been slow, the progress, and it's a difficult speed for for everyone at this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, not only your physical health is is important mental health matters so much 
especially these days when when we live in a society that is unforgiving that is so cruel sometimes and especially when you consider social media and the effect it has so from my personal perspective like in my private life i can say that it helped me a lot and when i talk about football about when i was young i mean i never played at a at a real high level not at all but still i was always very very ambitious and i play football with with the whole of my heart and i had a lot of problems dealing with not being good enough or sitting on the bench here and there and being not tall enough because i'm a small striker and like people should get help but at the same time other people should really especially if you're if you're in a working environment or a sports environment where things are or tend to get a lot tougher than in your personal life in your social contacts a lot of people need that arm around their shoulder you know need comfort need they need to be pushed with a lot of empathy dealing with that and a lot of sensibility and i was fortunate enough to have two or three teammates who always took care of me like my friend bana he he was always like he was always concerned about my mental health not only regarding football but especially as a teammate he was the one who who always tried to talk about stuff with me you know and to to build up my confidence and 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 help me dealing with setbacks with with injuries especially i mean i torn my acl when i was 19 and i think we didn't mention it so far injuries and dealing with injuries it's such a big part of mental health of of sports people and we really have to help those people during those times and after definitely and um while while we're on that topic of of getting help um uk listeners if you if you if you are struggling with your mental health and you feel like you need to talk to someone two great uh great mental health charities are mind um you can find their phone number online and uh samaritans which is also a very good kind of mental health orientated um where prof- professionals will will listen to you and will help you to s- start the long road to getting better and yeah don't be afraid to reach out to friends and family and professionals if you need to um and yeah um i just wanted to to talk about some um in terms of the professional game some of the initiatives that have been taken to um help players and their mental health um people in the world of football with their mental health um the premier league last year did a campaign called the heads up mental health campaign um it basically involved premier league clubs working closer uh, not just premier league clubs efl clubs too working closer with uh, with mental health professionals and as i said earlier starting to treat mental health the same as they would physical health um and not 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 reducing trying to reduce the size of a mental health problem saying oh it's all in your head or you should go out for a run or something you know those things you hear from people when when you say oh i'm depressed or i'm anxious and they say oh you just need some fresh air or or man up or grow up or something no the premier league are trying to get um a conversation going about mental health and this heads up initiative um 
led to a a contract, the Mentally Healthy Football Declaration, which was signed last summer, um, which was a result of the Heads Up campaign. And yeah, their aim is the same um, to try and to try and encourage people, especially especially male football players who maybe aren't encouraged to express their emotions as much as female football players to speak up um and whatever whatever level of the game you play at i think there's there's always help out there maybe from friends or family or maybe from from professional mental health professionals so um yeah davide anything to add uh yeah i mean it's such a difficult topic to discuss uh, and I, I can only say that I'm really happy that finally something is moving at least in the UK <clears throat> I can't see this happening in Italy though because uh, mental health is still considered something like a taboo something like a, a weakness uh, to, to hide rather than uh, uh, seek for help uh, I personally know only one professional player who openly admitted having a, a mental health problem which is uh, Ranocchia in, Inter uh, player Ranocchia he openly said that he went into therapy uh, a few years ago and that helped him but other players uh, I mean there was the the big case of uh, Adriano who, I mean his mental problem was uh, his mental health problem was uh, fairly obvious to to everyone following the game but it's probably part of this uh, machist country, machist society we have uh, here in Italy, in which uh, uh, a person who just provokes and insults uh, the opponents, like Ibrahimovic, is considered a leader rather than a, than an idiot. So yeah, uh, it's really hard to to talk about this uh, in. Uh, in Italy, and I wish things were more like the UK, where these problems are actually uh, tackled rather than ignored. Definitely. The game of debates. So we're going to move on now, and I wanted to talk to you guys. Um, we wanted to, in the new format, in the Game of Thrones 2.0 relaunched, we we wanted to end every show with a debate. Uh, maybe something that we have conflicting opinions on and today um, we're going to ask the question whether football should continue or should have continued um, during the coronavirus pandemic when you consider more important things that are happening in society and the lockdowns that most of the world have been subjected to Um, Phil I know you have quite strong opinions on this would you like to start us off yeah apart from being so lucky that it continued and that I was able to watch my club winning its first championship since 30 years. I actually have a very strong opinion about this because why why does football need to go on when everything else is standing still, when small business owners are struggling, when um, economy in general is struggling and when health is the main issue. I mean, there are a lot of regulations the the clubs are following and they're doing a lot to keep everyone healthy, but did it work? No, it didn't. There are so many players that got infected with um, COVID-19. And I think it's it's just another example for the money machine 
that capitalism is and how this world is working that pupils are staying home while people who have to learn how to do a job you know who are, who are like in the middle of your, of their education they are forced to go back to the, their special schools or people are um who are not like in in jobs that we really need that are not essential are forced to go back to work because we have to keep the machine working and i think to a certain extent it's the same with football i mean we're just lucky that no one had like a real severe case so far of the players or the staff um that can still change and maybe that will be an eye-opener but in my eyes it, football is actually not important enough and i really like the way Jurgen Klopp was talking when when football was placed on hold that he said that football is not the most important thing in this world it's about being healthy and uh, having a healthy society and i think for a lot of people it's a slap in the face a lot of people lost their jobs a lot of people have to deal with um working and taking care of their kids at the same time every day from home now and it's been a huge challenge for those people and at the same time football is going on everywhere and people rightly so are thinking why why is this more important than me and this is how i think about the thing in general and as i said i'm 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 tremendously happy that I could see my club winning a championship, but at the same time, I'm not a fan of of football being more important than other essential parts of society. I'm going to offer a counter argument here, but it's 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 not a counter argument because I I I agree with most of what you're saying, but we're we're talking about mental health um, on this podcast. And I think, I, I think football, we know football without fans isn't the same. It, 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 it's rubbish. But I think football during the pandemic will have helped a lot of people, um, mental health, like for, for a mental health perspective, having something to look forward to, having like their team to watch at the weekend, or if you just love football in general, just having football to watch can take your mind off maybe some of just temporarily take your mind off some of the things you may be suffering with. Um, it's, it's even without fans and it's rubbish without fans and watching games with the kind of engine sound noise, you know, the, 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 mecha- the mechanical sound noise of the, the crowd noise is, is, is really, really rubbish. But for a lot of people who may be missing their friends and missing going to the match, it's better than nothing, um, and th- I think th- I think I I agree. There is an argument that like if everything else should be stopped, and the the key workers, the the healthcare workers, the bus drivers, they still have to go to work. There is an argument that it does it it does make sense to stop, but also, I think footballers and football clubs and football fans are aware that watching football even if it isn't the same as it normally is 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 a is 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 a big thing it's a it's a big it can be a big motivation in people's lives even if they're suffering and davide what do you think well i think that 
here we are talking about uh, the the risks of uh, opening because let's not forget that football is not just uh, the super highly paid the professional players we are talking about uh, amateur guys uh, who have uh, a daily job and then after working uh, uh, for eight hours they go training just to play on saturday for fun that part of football should have been stopped and i was really happy that it stopped but it should stop should be still stopped i think professional football uh, I think it was right to, to to let it go. I think it was right to let professional football uh, play and express for exactly the reasons uh, you, Jack, said. For, to demonstrate uh, that the world didn't stop entirely. There was something still going on and we could carry on doing some things, but responsibly. What I didn't like uh, was uh, having... Uh, the the international breaks yeah i mean uh, yeah. every club talking about bubbles and uh, protection of their own players and then players from different teams just mixing all together going to play for the national team for a friendly match or a stupid uh, uh, tournament because of uh, some money that that was the wrong thing that was completely wrong i would have had nothing wrong with the players uh, in their own bubbles uh, just playing on Sunday or because, uh, for example, Serie A had three matches in a week uh, during uh, summer. That was was completely fine and that was uh, mainly safe. In fact, uh, we didn't have any case in Serie A for the final part of the 2019-2020 for the 2019-2020 season. But we started having cases again now when players are, are more free. This should be changed. I mean, we had last week two examples of players uh, found breaking the rules. Uh, Joel Linton going uh, to to have a haircut and Cristiano Ronaldo going uh, uh, skiing with his girlfriend. They got a ridiculous uh, fines. So, like, uh, Ronaldo got 400 euros fine, which he earns probably in a minute. In a second. And I don't know the, what was the fine in the UK for Joel Linton. 200 pounds. Yeah, 200 pounds. It's nothing. They can just laugh about that. That I don't like. I mean, if you are a professional player, if you set yourself as an example, like especially Cristiano Ronaldo does, you cannot just uh, ignore the rules. You are not bigger than the law. Even if you're called Cristiano Ronaldo, even if you have billions of people following you on Instagram, especially because you have billions of people following you on Instagram, you should stick to the rules. That's the, the main problem. The main problem is that People who have uh, nothing to lose, uh, uh, even if they take a fine, who don't care. These people should be banned for a very long time. Well, this just helps all the COVID deniers as well, you know? People who talk about exactly. it like it's just a normal flu. I don't know about you. I, I know people who are not alive anymore, who've been healthy and in their 30s, and they had no no underlying um sicknesses or whatever and it's just a slap in the face to everyone who lost people during this pandemic yeah and um football players should be more sensible if they can if they can pose and and uh, yeah 
show the world how cool they are on Instagram every day, they can also take responsibility. Even if uh, the football players uh, themselves uh, were not uh, responsible, at least the federations should yeah. be. Because the federations lost a lot of money. They, they just uh, uh, think about money. So, find these players seriously. Ban them for a month, for two months. Make them have an actual uh, problem with, uh, with their behavior. And then we can talk about it. I I'm fa fairly sure that no one would have uh, um, uh, broken the rules. Um, just one more thing to finish this because we have been talking a long time now on the first episode and of course we had a lot to say but we need to cut it short soon. I get both arguments. I get both sides of the medal. But at the end of the day the working class people are the ones who make football what it is and I really don't enjoy football without supporters. It is just Me so understandable. I don't think anyone does. No, no, no one does. But I mean, only Jack is watching more than before. I was no, 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 actually no, 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 just no, no, watching no. Liverpool at the moment. Okay, I can, I can get back to this. <laughs> but you're not, you're not watch, uh, watching as much. I'm watching as, as much as before, not less. Yeah. No more. So I, Jack, I said more. When Jack says, when Jack says, uh, I watched a lot of football. Uh, it's uh, what for a normal person is uh, too much. Yeah, well, yeah. I, have, because, I have nothing uh, <laughs> else to do, boys. <laughs> well, there are a lot of things you can do besides watching football. I mean, I love football, but even outside of the pandemic, I'm not watching the whole weekend. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm exercising, I'm going, I'm working out, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm... Um... Doing other things which I probably shouldn't mention on the podcast. I'm 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 working. Um, but yeah, I watch I watch maybe probably eight or ten games in a weekend, maybe. Yeah, I'm watching three or four. Yeah, but it's, yeah, two it, or three it's, it's, for me. Too. It's how it's how everybody copes with, with with it in a different way, and that's my way of of, uh, of coping with yeah, it. Yeah, you're doing you're doing the same outside of the pandemic. Don't start to lie now. You're just, I, you're just I go we're out all a little football mad. We're all geeks here, but I, you are the worst. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching a lot of highlights, so I'm, 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 I'm updated. That's a brilliant thing to do on the way to work, usually. But um, you are just, I mean, Saturdays and Sundays, if I would live in Exeter, I would have no chance seeing you if we're not watching a match together. Yeah, but I also, like, I go to the stadium as well, but... Um... Yeah, it's, it, everybody copes differently, and that's how I think we should end. Um, I thank you guys for thank you guys. I just have another oh, go point. Ahead, go Sorry. Ahead. Regarding one more thing, sports, okay? One please. more thing. <laughs> one, one, only one, only one. I promise. This is the time uh, to to do something uh, brave. I think this is the time to start reopening the stadiums uh, only for people who take their vaccine. So I have uh, some friends uh, who work in hospitals and now they are vaccinated. They are totally fine uh, why they are not allowed to go to the stadium. This would, uh, one, boost the vaccination system because people who are struggling, who are in doubt uh, because of the COVID deniers uh, bullshit, they will start thinking, hey, maybe if I, get, if I get the vaccine, at least I can go to the stadium. And two, clubs especially the smaller ones, would start uh, earning money again because they can sell tickets. So 
now is really the time to start reopening the stadium, but only for people who get vaccine, who they get vaccinated. I think this would go too far now to debate this. I think, <laughs> I think this alone is is another debate for another pod. To be honest, I'd like to end on a nice bit of positivity, and Davide has given us hope hope for the future. There, um, I'd just like to dedicate this final minute of the podcast to Pele's grandson. Um, fellow podcast member who will be here soon eric nicholson the brilliant brazilian will be back um soon but i'd like to dedicate this to him i'm sure his mental health has improved this afternoon because newcastle have won a game oh yeah this is like christmas and new year's eve on one day four days they've beaten southampton three two um and they finished a the game with nine men. So no doubt Eric is having a beer or maybe 10 beers um, celebrate, celebrating this. Um, he's <laughs> promised he'll be back soon. Pele's grandson, the greatest Brazilian of all time. Poor Southampton. First they get hammered, <laughs> um, losing players. And now they've get beaten by a team with nine players. That's been a harsh week for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'd just like to thank you guys for contributing. It's great to be back um and everybody um everybody who's listened to the podcast thank you stay safe and we'll be back soon and we're not going away again this time we're back game of thrones 2.0 thank you for listening thank you everyone bye bye take care bye guys hi jack hi phil hi everyone i have a question go on then what if people have questions that's a good question Maybe they should send us an email. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you remember our email address? Yes, I do. It's gameofthronespodcast at gmail.com. There you go. What about social media? Can they ask us questions in comment sections? They should. Phil, what's our social media again? We have plenty made. Instagram? Game of Thrones Podcast. Twitter? G-O-T-I Football. Sounds like a rap record. Straight out of camp now. (laughs) <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Okay, do we have Facebook? We have. It's Game of Thrones Football Podcast. Anything else? Like, share, and comment. And don't forget to ask questions. Good thing we talked about this. Okay, everyone. See you next time for another episode of Game of Thrones. Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Oh, cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. 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 all right that's good game of thrones game of thrones the football 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 football